Hello and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. My name is Podcast Mike. I work on the podcast with Will, and currently we're in the middle of our Willosophies compilation series. We're digging into the archives of Willosophy from the past few years and putting together some themed episodes uh, that feature the array of guests that have been part of the backlog of Willosophy. If you're liking these and you want to hear the full chats, please go to tofop.com, T-O-F-O-P.com to uh, hear any of these episodes that you'll hear today and any of the entire backlog of the show. And that's part of what this compilation series is all about, uh, highlighting those uh, past episodes that you may not have heard and you may want to check out further. One of the key themes of Willosophy, of course, is philosophy. And one of the main things that Will asks his guests is, what's your philosophy? So we're going to do a few episodes with this theme over the next few weeks that take a few of the guests that have been on the show and look at their philosophies. Today you're going to hear from comedian and musician Tim Minchin. You'll also hear from Jessica Cerro, who is better known as Montaigne. But first up, it's ex-footy player and Big Brother contestant who now hosts one of Sydney's most successful breakfast radio shows, Fitzy and Whipper. It's Ryan Fitzy Fitzgerald. And if you want to see Will live, he's doing some work in progress shows in December from December 7th to December 15th at the Comedy Store in Sydney. Go to willanderson.com to get tickets and to find out more information. But for now, let's go over to Fitzy. I like to start with the philosophy. Now, you don't have to have one, but I just like to ask people if they have a philosophy and then, you know, we can kind of talk about that as we talk about the other things. Yeah. But but you don't have to have one and, and often, you know, uh, but do you have one? Okay, my, mine's my pretty basic and I don't want to sound boring, Will, but... Um, Mate, you won't sound boring. Okay, it's, it's... And if you are boring, I'll cut it out. And look, I'm very proud of where I've come from and basically my old man just drilled into me my whole life is never forget where you came from. And I think for me, it's... Um, it's a rule that I've always applied to everything that I do in life, especially with radio and television is relatability, you know what I mean, and, and, and keeping that. I've moved, I grew up in Adelaide and moved now to Sydney, but I've still kept my close bunch of mates and very close to my family in Adelaide. And I think that's always, I think if I ever tra- try to change who I am, people won't enjoy what I do anymore. So it's just basically remembering where I came from. And we never had... You know, we were lower class. I mean, we lived in a house that got broken into three times in a month and, you know, we did it pretty hard, but I love that. You know what I mean? It's like that country life that you had growing up and it's been such a pivotal part in your routine for so long. I think it's really, really important to always remember where you came from. Okay, so let's uh, find out where you came from. Uh, We can skip forward, like, I mean, we don't have to start, you know, out of the end of your dad's cock. Like, (laughs) we don't have to go back that far, right? (laughs) If that, if that I was don't your, want to go back that yeah, far. If that was, was your philosophy, remember where you came from. If that, if your dad said that to you constantly, <laughs> like he was actually a really terrible dad, just pointing like, to his bull yeah. sack, going, <laughs> just said, "Hey, son, never forget where you came from," and then just points at the end of his cock, <laughs> and mum, mum's just next to it, just next to him, just smiling, going, "Yeah, that was a good night." I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Uh, no, so uh, t- tell me, uh, what did your parents do? What's the origin story? Mate, it's a lovely story. I love this story. My mum was a full country girl, lived in the middle of nowhere, three hours out of Adelaide in the Riverland in a place called Berry. 
uh, grew grapes, oranges on the farm. Dad uh, finished his footy career, had knee problems, and went and coached all around South Australia and got paid good money. He was a really good coach, my old man. He, he coached quite a few premierships. What was and his uh, coaching philosophy? He, uh, his big one was Dad always had this... That's a, good, that's a good question. This always sticks up in my mind. He was always... He was big on you are a small cog in a large machine and without uh-huh. that cog, the machine ceases to function. That is that is a good bit of wisdom. I remember that. I should have got him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just over there pointing to his ball sack. <laughs> he goes to all your public engagements and just like, if you do a good job, he's like, he came out of here. And if you don't do a good job, he's like, I'm ashamed to say that you came out of here. Get back in there. Um, no, I, 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 that's interesting. So let's pause on that for just for a second yeah, because yeah. it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently as a kind of like uh, is that we have to, I think, remember. I think that too often in our society we're obsessed by where the greatest that we're ever going to be. Yeah, exactly. Right? I was telling you about something. Okay, this is – I was telling you about something today on your radio show yep. uh, where I like to go to a place called the Griffith Park Observatory and they do this history of the universe sort of thing where they project on the – and one of the things I love about it is mm. that they it reminds you that even science – gets things wrong and often as a like world we can go a thousand years and all believe something to be true that is later proved to not be true exactly there were things 50 years ago that people thought that we don't believe today in fact are ridiculous compared to so if you understand that if you take a step back and think about that what you realize is there are also things that we honestly believe right now and that we think are true or that we think are the right way to do things that 50 years from now they're going to be looking back at us like and it's interesting to me to think what are those things yes but it's also interesting because i think we often act like we are the end of like we are the highest point that our evolution will get to. That's Whereas right. what we need to remember is we are but a tiny cog on that massive wheel that is humankind and it is whatever we are, whether we are put here by a god or we're an explosion in the corner of the universe and completely random. Yep. The one thing that we've learnt, the one the reason we survived is not because of one person. Exactly right. Never. Yeah, you're so right. You are so right. And it's stuck in my mind. It's little things like that, I mean, with parenting and that growing up. And my old man, he was old school, old school generation, come from hard knocks. But he so, all... what, so what did he do as a job? So dad was a sparky. Uh-huh. Um, he was an electrician um, and worked his ass off. Like my mum and dad didn't pay off their first house until they were 55, you know, but never complained. This was the life that we had. We were always happy, you know what I mean? But, you know, dad was hard. He was, you know, if we did something wrong, he'd give you a good building and it, he was just that old school. But How uh, many kids? Uh, just two. It was uh, my sister and I and she's five years younger than me. Holly. Okay. Um, but, you know, it was hard. But you know what? I, I love my dad to death and it's those little things that when you're a teenager, you go, you're being such a prick. But now I think to myself, these are so many parenting tips now that I'm giving to my boys that I've got from my old man. It's little things like that that you remember, which is unbelievable. I mean, when you take any time to reflect on you, like how selfish you are, like even a good kid. Like I I think that I was probably a pretty good kid, mostly. But even I as a good kid was a terrible kid (laughs) because kids are terrible. And how do you as an adult not just... 
I mean, it's an amazing thing, really. Well, it's, but see, Will, here's a okay. I've also learned so much from my father, which I appreciate. But there's so many things that I didn't. And when I talk that he's old school generation, I spoke about this in my wedding speech to my beautiful wife Belinda. But I just thank Dad, and I remember three things that Dad used to teach us when we were kids: was number one, never be a big head. Yep. Um, number two, and this was the old school generation. This is the way that they were, was always stay away from poofs. You know, that was his thing as a kid. You know yeah. what I mean? My dad's embarrassed when I bring that up now. And even he knows, he looks back at his life. And, you know, to have that mentality, he hates it. And the other one was... But that's a classic example of yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. There are things that we say now yes. or do now yeah. that like five years from now or 10 years from now or whatever from now, yeah. if people look back on them out of context, you'll go, oh, that's pretty old school. Exactly. But I mean, the way that we use language, yeah. there would be things I've said about uh, like uh, transgender, like in the yes. past, like, I, I mean, I don't know anything specifically, exactly. but I bet I've made like, you know, jokes or well, comments right. or whatever that I didn't understand, like, you know. Yeah, the it's, it's Bruce Jenner is the prime example at the moment. That's, you know a, what that's I mean? a really good example. It is a minefield at the moment. You know what I mean? And and look, we you know, you've and that's just changed. It, which exactly. is and I think which is by great. the way, in a great way. Yes, like I think it's been great that we've all suddenly gone because it there, was open slather. two years ago. Yeah. Bruce Jenner goes through that, and it it he would have just been slayed. a completely different world. Absolutely slayed. It is now. You know what? And it's like. Award shows here in America, there's been, I think it was Jamie Foxx or it was an LL Cool J or someone made a joke about Bruce Jenner and it got absolutely smashed on social media, which is great. I reckon it's great to be in a world like that now. Where back in the, like, like I said, it was open slather. And for six months and for the next year, they just got smashed, smashed with, with jokes and comedians right. just went mental with it. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I, there, there would have been jokes that yeah. I definitely... There would have been jokes that I made yeah. about... So, oh, here's a good example. Um, Ian Thorpe being gay. Yes. I remember this. Right? I remember you this. You know, definitely. Because, mm. you know, at the time, you were like, oh, Ian Thorpe's definitely gay. Well, and why won't he say that he's gay? Like, obviously, now as you get older, you understand more about the world and you understand what a struggle that could be for someone in that position to be yeah. going through that at that age yeah. and, and not knowing themselves and whatever. Like, you were like, oh, I wish I hadn't been, like, I hadn't been part of the people it's, putting extra pressure on this person going through I, this I, terrible... I, 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 I know, exactly. Right. And, when, and, you know, when Thorpey came out, it was a really positive thing. Right. It wasn't like we were surprised. No. But it was great and it was really well received. And you think to yourself, why didn't he do it earlier? I, look, right, but also it maybe says that the world is changing rapidly when it comes to some things like that. Which is brilliant. Which is brilliant. It's, it's brilliant to be able to feel that change. And it's good to know that our kids now, I mean, your old man would have been the same being a country boy. Like my, oh. my dad, and I, and I talk about the homosexual thing when he was younger. Now when I bring it, because I've spoken to my dad about it and he just... He knows. He, I look, he looks me in the eye and goes, you know what? I look back and I go, fuck, what, what the fuck were we doing? You know what I mean? He's really, really embarrassed about it. i just got to tell you, though, because it was, don't be a big head, stay away from poofs. And he said, no one likes, no one likes cops. They were the three things that my old man used to say to me growing up. Right. So at my wedding speech, I said, you should have seen my old man's face when I was bragging to my mates when that cop pulled me over and I was giving him a blowy. Right. <laughs> and he just went into meltdown. But it's so funny to see from generation to generation that what you're teaching your kids, and I think our kids, I think they're going to be in a good stead, Will. I think it's going to be great. 
Like I'm, I'm so lucky that I've been given two boys. You know, I, I've always wanted to have a little footballer and watch his career growing up, and I, I love that about my my dad. You know, our weekends revolved around sport the whole time, and and it was a good life. Um, like I said, you know, we we didn't have much coin, but you know, the sport was everything to us. Every single weekend, we, it was either footy, cricket, basketball, little athletics, nippers down at the Port Nalunga Life Saving Club, and it's. It was our whole lives. I love that life. I, I want that life. I want my kids to have that, you know, one day. Because that's interesting as well, isn't it? When you think, when you, because I, that's a, where you're like, not only do I like that I had it. Yes. But I would like for my children exactly. to have it. Bloody oath. And I think sometimes people don't step back to that. Exactly. You get more. Because you're doing very well. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm, part, of, part of the lifestyle of the way you grew up was out of necessity that that was the best way that you could enjoy yourselves with the like, you know, funds and lifestyle and like, you know, what it, work commitments and whatever that your family had. Yeah. You have different circumstances. Yeah. But there's still part of that that you want to recap. Well, and like I said to you before, Will, I think that's why I am relatable to people. You know what I mean? And, mate, I'm ne- I'm always, I've never been afraid to, to have that bogan tag with me. And I think that's why I'm doing breakfast radio in Sydney. And a majority of the, the people that listen to our show, our big fans, are from Western Sydney. But I love that. I love going out there. I love doing shows out there. And Because they are, they're, they're your diehards. You'd know about it with the Western Bulldogs. You know what I mean? Like, those fans, they are diehard fans. I love those fans. The Bulldogs have never... Over the last few years, haven't had success, but they go to every losing game and they're still supporting their team. That's passion. Uh, tell me this. How aware are you of feedback about, you know, like labels or whatever that, you know, because you, you brought up the fact that, like, you know, people will say you're this bogan guy or whatever, which is actually... Weirdly enough, not how I've ever, like, yep. how I would describe you. But it's obviously feedback that you get in some form. Where does that come from? What sort of feedback do you get? Like, how do people relate to you? It's, you know what, and, and it's the Big Brother tag as well. You know what, I've never been afraid of that because it's, it, Big Brother was the, it gave me an opportunity to get where I was. So I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, I know I'm not intellectually not the smartest bloke out there. I know I've got to work on my vernacular and my vocabulary and all of that kind of stuff. You know what I Two mean? Two pretty good words there, though. Yeah, well, well, I mean, know, you've, you've, nailed, I've used that before. you've nailed both of those. <laughs> it's an impressive hand of Scrabble you've just played there using a V in both of them. <laughs> but I think it's that rawness that I don't know. I, look, for me, I, that's the only thing that I think where people can relate to me. And if that works, I, I'm happy to do it. You know what I mean? I, I think the, the thing that people respond to is honesty. I mean, it's also the thing that people respond to negatively. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the truth of it is that, like, you know, I I am very aware of the fact. There's even people listening to this podcast. Like, I get feedback about people who listen to my podcast, which is called Philosophy with Will Anderson, who who like the pod, who like the podcast <laughs> and don't like me. You know, like even on my own podcast. There's going to be people who are annoyed by certain things that I do or certain ways that I approach it or whatever. Yes. Right. So all you can do is do it the way that – try to be legitimate and say, well, this is me trying to do it my way. Exactly. Right? And I think that if you do that, that's what people respond to. And if you, people try to yeah. bung on, often you'll find people, they get transported into to Sydney Breakfast Radio. Yeah. And they're like, our key demographic is the western suburbs of Sydney. Yeah. Please mention, you know, Blacktown three times an hour or whatever. That's right. But I see, you know, I think that's – 
You know, and we talk about uh, Kyle Sanderlands is a prime example and the success. He's just, even though you may disagree with some of the stuff he does. All the stuff he does. It, it, well, exactly. But he doesn't give a fuck, Will. That's the thing. And that's what I think people from that, that's what they respect, that he just goes on there. And you know what? He may be that auth. He might. He may just be a bit sort of, I don't want to fucking listen to the bosses and I do it my way. But that's what people fucking seem to be drawn to. Mate, if it, the, the truth of all this sort of stuff is that all you can ask of someone in any relationship, yeah. and I think that it's something, a lesson that we don't learn. Often we have fallings out with people yeah. because we, in fact, even not even fallings out, we often probably have friendships, if I, if I want to think about this on a deeper level, with people where I'm pretending to be someone else yes, and they're also... Pretending exactly. to be someone else. To, so to I'm like, you. hey, I'm friends with... like. So just use the example if it was you and I. Yes. I, I'd be like, hey, I'm friends with Fitzy. But if I really thought about it, because we only run into each other now and again in this certain situation, yep. that's me pretending to be a different person that's that right. day. And that's probably him pretending to be a different person. So it turns out the pretend versions of us <laughs> are friends with each other. But who knows if the real versions of us have anything in fucking <laughs> Like, you know? And, exactly. it, and often I find that with you're like oh yeah the, you'll find it with like the work me and you might have a problem with each other but the real life me and you don't necessarily have that same problem or whatever not at all and mate well we love getting you on the show but I, I love more than fucking having a beer with you you know what I mean we talk footy we talk about careers you know I, I always try to get advice off you and stuff like that and that's I think that's what we're lucky with this industry. There's a lot of egos, and I think you agree with that as well, Will. But there's, you know, what I also love, there's a really good bunch of people that you can just feed off, and you're, mate, you're a prime example. The, the, the worst thing is that, I, I mean, I do believe there's a lot of egos, but at the same time, I often, I have to be checked on my own bullshit about that as well. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was bitching and moaning the other night about the, the Logies, yes. right? But the truth of it is yeah. that I don't really give a shit. No. I honestly don't. If those people want to get together and have a good time that night, yeah. and this is what I started talking to, to Amy about, I said, oh, I just, I don't, she goes, would you ever want to go again? And I was like, I just don't want to. And I was like, and then I was like, I mean, I said, it'd be good to catch up with like Limo and yeah. oh, Charlie Your was there. And I guess that, and, yeah, yeah, Hallie yeah. was there. And, yeah. then I, and then I started listing off like 15 people. And she just said to me, she goes, sounds like you would have had a great night. <laughs> All your friends were at a great party. That's the whole room. And there, there was a part of me in that moment that was like, check yourself. Yes. Like check, like you're not, you're not that twenty five year old like kid who's anti everything. Yeah. Now these people are your friends. No. Who gives a shit if they want to have a good night out? Who cares? Well, you're probably more of a. A bigger man if you make that decision and to go back, Will. But also, everything's made up, mate. Yes. Like, literally everything we do as human beings is made up. Yeah. Well, it's that little cog coming back to that large machine again, isn't it? Yeah, it's all part of this. It's all part of it. Yeah. But if you actually take a moment to think, why do we work? Or why do I do this? Or why do I think this is important? Mm. None of it's really. Whatever you think is important is important. Going all the way back to May 2015 for that chat with Ryan Fitzy Fitzgerald for Willosophy. It's Podcast Mike here. We're doing our compilation series of Willosophy. And remember, you can head to tofop.com for Fitzy's full chat with Will and all the other episodes in the backlog. 
this week's theme, What's Your Philosophy? And over now to Jessica Cero. Now, you might not recognise that name, but you would recognise the name Montaigne. She's an ARIA award winner. And she actually speaks a bit about the origins of her stage name, Montaigne, in this chat with Will. But I, I always like when I have someone on, because I have had some people on before who, who work under a different name or have a pseudonym or have a different identity through which they express their work. Mm. Um, what is that like? Because, you know, I've always essentially, through my performance, it's always me, you know, like to the point where my name isn't Will anymore because yeah. people just yell out Will Anderson. Yeah. Like that's my it name. It flows, you know. It's, right. It's natural. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for someone who has those two things, like A, how did it come about and B, what is the, the balance and the roles of those things in your life? Uh, it came about because I was performing as a singer-songwriter slash musician when I was 16 as Jessica Sarah is my real name. And uh, by the time I reached 17 or 18, I was like, I don't want to be known as Jessica Sarah. That's a pretty fucking boring name. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure in 1995, the year I was born, it was the most popular name, Jessica, given to baby girls. And uh, You are talking to a guy called William, which has been top five boy names since there were boys. True. But, you, you know, you, you work it, you know. I was just like, I can't work Jessica Cero. Jessica like, Jessica Cero sounds so banal and shit. So I was like, I need another name. And I really wanted to use the name of a philosopher. Yeah. Because. Uh, because why? Because uh, I wanted people to know that there is substance to me as a musician, even mm-hmm. subconsciously, because the way I present myself online or the way I speak is that of in the manner of a 21-year-old, a young person who's barely had any experience of the adult world. And I want people to know that I, even though I am young and inexperienced, I still make an effort to try to have some sort of knowledge and wisdom about this world. And I'm interested in philosophy and in art and culture and, and information and all of that stuff that's going to make you a better person. So I was like, okay, it's going to be a philosopher. It's going to be the right philosopher. Got to be a good name and have views with which I am either in agreement or could develop on in some way. And so it's kind of just like reading stuff at first thought about seneca because seneca is a cool name uh-huh. i mean i don't know seneca was he even a philosopher was he a historian writer kind of i know he's he's ancient he's a guy uh and but someone has it as an artist's name so it's oh. like reading in um a book called the consolations of philosophy by Lander Botton. he's like a modern philosopher runs a thing called the school of life which is very cool um and he in in the consolations of philosophy the premise of the book is that uh there are many bad things in this world here are some consolations given by philosophy to help you through how shit things are right and so montaigne's section was on death because montaigne used to be like completely afraid of death and um then had this near-death experience which led him to realize that like death and dying isn't actually that awful and it will inevitably come to all of us. So we should all just kind of, you know, not live our lives in fear and just get on with things, you know, and, and enjoy life. Um, uh, that's one of his most, I suppose, um, popular uh, viewpoints. 
Um, but he, Montaigne, like I sort of, that was where I got my introduction to Montaigne. So I, I was like, that's cool. He's French. I speak French. Montaigne's a nice name. Like it's close to the word Montagne, which means mountain French. And my last name in Spanish means small hill, which is close to mountains. So it's like, <laughs> there's an always correlation. Yep. And uh, so I did more research on him. I just read some articles and syntheses of of um his work and i was like i'm interested i like the guy i resonate a lot with him that's what is said a lot about montaigne that like no matter what age you're from and i mean age as in like time period um people always are baffled by how well this guy understands them even though he wrote from the 16th century um so it was basically he's just a dude who liked to write about himself and about life in general and just happened to extract some pretty wise nuggets from that in his essays in the essay the personal essay something that he basically invented so he was just like forward thinking modern guy and I was into it so I was like that's that's gonna be the name long story short that's why I chose Montaigne lots of connections and I feel that like if if it were to be any philosopher that I would be like who would reflect upon me would be Montaigne I reckon okay so what's the difference between uh and we'll get to you know various philosophies of your our own in a minute but mm. what's the difference between Jess and Montaigne like, in, you know, are, are they two different entities? Like, is one capable of things that the other isn't? Or is it just an extension of who you are? I think it's entirely nominal. And it helps from a business point of view. Because, like, I, I also don't want to get a, a big head about things. I don't think I'm, I'm really... I haven't been raised in such a way that would cause me to grow a big head or an inflated ego if I were to do quite well in this whole industry. Um but having that separation, talking about Montaigne as a business and then me being like just the person that I am who's conducting that business really helps things, yeah. I think. Like when I talk to my management about things that are happening, they'll say you will use personal pronouns and stuff, but we'll also sometimes be like, you know, Montaigne does this or Montaigne is getting involved in this, blah, blah, blah. And I think like it's nice to have that separation so that I can go about my normal life with you know the language like the lack of linguistic association you know oh like- no i mean i agree with that my my uh girlfriend you know yeah. it, it's one of those things where it's like you know i don't think she particularly enjoys coming to see me do shows yeah because that dickhead up there isn't like she's like no 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 you're the dude who for, who put the garbage out on the wrong <laughs> night last week you're not like that dude totally but th- that dude has the same name as me and is yeah. wearing the same clothes as me and those yeah. sort of things so i can understand the you know, the distance between them. And particularly, I think, in an Australian attitude, which is this idea of, you know, that we are, like, you know, raised in a way to kind of, you know, feel a little uncomfortable around, you know, ego. So it can sometimes, I think, hold people back in making decisions about themselves because you can't see yourself as a, to use a horrible word, as a brand or Mm. as, like, you know, something that you can actually go, well, this is a business and this is what this business does, Mm. you know. It's interesting to me. So, okay, let's jump into philosophies and then we'll ramble around and talk about all these other things again. Excellent. So do you have one? Uh, do you have many? Are you a person who, I mean, obviously, look, you know, your stage name is a philosopher, so I'm, I'm <laughs> hoping that you of all people is going to bring some content to this part of the... <laughs> yes, <laughs> no. indeed. Oh, don't worry. Yep. Even if I didn't, I can talk for days, even if only in a ramble. But anyway... Uh, I do have, like, a set of values uh-huh. which I try to adhere to. So 
I suppose. Actually, there's one in particular which is more, I suppose, pithy, um, which I was talking about with Dom Alessio, who does Home and Hose on Triple J, who yep. hosts that radio show, because I told them I was going to be in here. And I was like, I'm toying between like talking about two things. One is, I suppose, more popular. The other one's more just like personal. So the one that is more popular is just like, if you do something, then something will happen. If you do nothing, nothing will happen. And that's what I tell myself every time. I'm like, oh, I can't be fucked to go out and mingle with people and attend that gig and stuff like that. Like, I'm too tired. I'm an early morning person. And I am. And to be honest, like, now I have conceded the fact that I am an early morning person and that it's not necessary for me to go to those gigs exactly. But anyway, my point is, like, if you go to that gig... You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what's going to happen. Something's going to happen because you've gone out and you've forced yourself into a situation where the various variables of the world can impose themselves upon you and you can react to that. And, like, opportunities will arise or you'll have experiences. If you stay at home, things can still happen, especially because of the internet. Like, if you you can start a Twitter war, that's good fun. But, like, that's, (laughs) you know, that's uh, whatever, you know. Being out with people is nice. And if you do nothing... This I actually came, sort of thought about this more in terms of um, like the dating scene romance because I uh-huh. had whenever I have a crush on someone I have to tell them immediately because or as soon as possible in as appropriate a setting as possible because otherwise <laughs> I pine and I can't deal with that I need closure immediately I need to know if it's a yes or a no if it's a no I can carry on with my right. life if it's a yes then we'll see what's ha- what happens if I say nothing I will wallow and like <laughs> sink into my neuroses and write probably great songs right. but I my mental health will be very poor you know and I have like a bunch of friends who are always like oh I have a crush on a person what do I do I'm like just tell them right. and see what happens if they say no you can get over it. Maybe you won't get over it, but at least you'll have closure and that's a step closer to getting over it and like moving on with your life and finding the next opportunity. And I mean, there is an element of Schrodinger's crush about like, you know, unrequited <laughs> love, you know, yeah. where he is like, until the minute that I tell that person that I like them, they could still like me. But the minute like, you know, I say that I like them, there's yeah. a possibility that the answer will be like, no, I don't like totally. you. Totally. And rejection's hard, but I feel like it's, it's like nothing worth doing isn't hard. You know, like it, you need to hard stuff usually leads to some sort of good reward. You, you, you've spoken about values a mm. few times and I like I know that you have. I, well, I've, I know a couple already, but I'd like to hear you speak about, you know, what you consider those values to be, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, OK, well, this I just like to start with the caveat that this is entirely personal and I don't expect these like people to. Um approach these in the same way because this is, I, I feel like it's very particular or at least one of them is very particular to me just because of the kind of person that I am I'm quite a strong-willed so person. So firstly, I would say this, like yeah. this, the whole point of this podcast is what you've just said. Yeah. Like, you know, the whole point of this podcast is that, you know, it, the different strokes, you know, approach, what might be right for me yeah. may not be right exactly. for some, you know, it's, okay. that's how it works. And that's why I get people on. I love to talk to people and hear what makes them tick and what it is that they personally, I mean, there's one in particular that I know that we have completely different uh, approaches on, so we'll get to that Excellent. in a minute. I but, can't wait. But, you know, but you, you run me through what you, you're going to say. Okay, so my first one is usefulness. And the idea is um, to be as useful as possible in order to serve other people. Like, basically, like, I want to learn to... Love myself so that I can radiate that love and share it with other people. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel like I already do a pretty good job at that, but you know, there are some reservations I have about myself and I'd like to get over them so that I can then be like lend myself entirely to other people. I want 
to make sure that my mental health is at optimal, you know, functioning so that, again, I can sort of use myself to go and volunteer or to do my job and to respond to people and do what people expect me to do or to look after my, like, less mentally healthy friend who needs me to be there for them, you know, and who needs me to be strong for them and just, you know, throw the arm around them and say, I'm here for you, you know, um, or like to be fit enough to help my band, like carry our bloody road cases around on tour and stuff like that. And I always feel bad when they're like, it's fine. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> I um, mean that. Just, but, I'm going to interrupt you briefly for a yeah. second. It's not about your philosophy. I'm not bored yeah. with anything. But you know, that little thing you're doing with your finger there oh, yes. where you're clicking it. Yes. Uh, it, it, it just, uh, we're Making getting it in the microphone. Nice. It's basically okay. like you're giving a little oh, rhythm. Yes. It's like you're yeah. giving a little rhythm to cool. your story. And I was in my head going, is there something wrong with the microphone? I and then I are. noticed that I was like, okay. you've just got natural rhythm when you speak yeah. to just I click. a lot. I it's okay. You're allowed to fidget. I'm a fidgeter as well. Where does that come from? Just while we're stopped down on it. Do you think that, are you able to sit still? Are you a sit still person as well? Or do you always fidget? People make fun of me because I can't sit at a, like if we have a coaster or something on a table, like yeah. 30 seconds later it's going to be torn <laughs> apart or like ripped into things. Like yes. my hands are always. I think, oh, I don't know. I think I'm capable of sitting still if I really focus, but generally my subconscious lends itself to kinetic energy. <laughs> I, I like the idea of what you were saying about um, you know, being serving in the way that is best for you to, <clears throat> I guess I'm paraphrasing a little here, yeah. but recognizing what your skills are and how that you can use those skills to contribute to other people, right? Last night, uh, I did a charity gig with uh, Kitty Flanagan and uh, Justin Hamilton, and it was in Wollongong, and it was to raise money for uh, some be- – like to help uh, – some. I won't go into the details too much, but I might actually put a little uh, thing on the end where people can donate if they want, but uh, about the bears and all the caged bears and the horrible things that's happening mm-hmm. to them. And the, the lady who had run it, and she'd done all the work. Like, realistically, you know, we just said that we would do it. Yeah. You know, and she was so grateful, but she'd done all the organizing. She'd sold the tickets. She'd arranged the thing and she'd raise, I mean, they were hopeful to raise, you know, 70 to a hundred thousand dollars out of the, the whole night. And, and she came to us afterwards and said, well, thank you for doing this. And I said, well, I mean, really, I was just doing what I can do, yeah. like to help. Exactly. There is no way I could help you raise thirty-five, $40,000. I don't have it to give to you. I wish I did. Yeah. I would love to give it to you if I have it, but I have a set of skills that I can come down and like, you know, entertain people. And that maybe totally. that will be helpful as well. Yeah. You know, I, I often sometimes think, oh, it'd be great if I volunteered more, but the truth of it is I'm useless if I volunteer. Mm. You know, it's better off for me to do a gig for Oxfam so they can go and help an African village exactly. than yeah. me to go and try to dig a hole. Because exactly. guess what I can't do, Jess? Dig a hole. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it would waste everybody's time. And that's time. totally okay. You know, give the people who have those strengths, you let them take the helm and then you do what you're good at. Okay. And that's sort of, yeah, that's where I, I'm coming from in that. I suppose it's less, less skill specific and just, well, yeah, yeah. It's like what you're good at. Make sure you're doing it well and make sure that you, uh, in terms of total well-being, are capable of carrying out those skills. You know? Are you a person who can recognize what makes you feel like, you know, that will throw you? Because, you know, sometimes it's hard when you're the person in the middle of it to recognize. For example, for me, it's time. Yeah. Like I am the nicest 
dude, the most relaxed dude in the entire world, mm. unless I am time poor. So, for example, the other morning, I'm running late for a radio late show. Right. Uh, I'm, I've got to put some money in the meter because I'm going to be there like doing interviews for a while and I don't want to get a ticket, right? Yeah. And then this guy in front of me, because I'm running late, this is the point, right? Yeah. This normally wouldn't bother me. Yeah. But the guy in front of me doesn't, it's like he's never seen a ticket machine before. <laughs> like he's a guy in a suit and he gets out his Amex and he's trying to put his Amex in the yeah. thing and it's not working. And suddenly... Me, peace-loving, everyone's cool. I hate this guy. I would have murdered him in the street. I wanted to push him out of the way and go, dude, this is how you use a ticket. Because that's my trigger, being yeah. late. I know that if I'm late, I suddenly get unreasonably stressed. Yeah. So I then try to take lateness out of my life so that I don't totally. become that person. Are yeah. you aware of what your triggers and stresses for your own mental health and well-being and stuff are? Without having to reveal what they are, but I mean, are you a person who has an awareness of when that's going on or does it sometimes sneak up on you and you go, why do I feel like this? I do get that, but very little. It tends also to be in situations where I can't really do anything about it, but it might lead to me letting other people down, like being uh-huh. late, where it's like, it's not my fault, it's the dude in front of me, you can't fucking... Right. Um, but even then, I'm quite good at controlling my emotions in that way. Like, I'm like, okay, I can't do anything about this. I just have to deal with it. I need to calm down. I'll walk in to the meeting and I'll tell them what happened and I'm sure it'll all be fine. Like, it's a bit inconvenient, but I'll do it. I'm generally quite equanimous and measured as a person. Like, yeah. I'm quite, that's one of my specialties. That is. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's a great skill because you're absolutely right. And the truth of it is, if like I had been two minutes late to this radio interview, I would not have been the first person in history who had been two minutes late to a radio <laughs> interview. And they would have been cool with it. And I'm there every week and they know I'm punctual. And, but in that moment, none of those things were in my brain. Mm. In that moment, murder was in my brain. It's hard. Because yeah, like, a guy took 45 seconds longer than he should have getting a parking ticket. I feel yeah. Um, all right. So uh, what else? What else are your kind of your values then? Um, another one is um, openness. So I mentioned it uh-huh. earlier, just openness in almost all senses. Just So be. what do you mean, though, about so that? So it can mean honesty, as in personal honesty, be honest with people. If you're honest with people, then they start to trust you and trust leads to harmony, and harmony is people like harmony. How honest? Is there a level of honesty? I'm quite honest. honest. I'm right. quite forthcoming. And does um, that sometimes like… Sometimes to the detriment of diplomacy, which uh-huh. is actually bad. I should actually try to find that balance between honesty and diplomacy because some I've fucked up sometimes. Well, but also that balance is different for different people. Yeah. I mean, some people really respect – like, I mean, honesty or, you know, being brash or any of those things are in some ways determined by the person accepting the honesty. Some people love upfront frank honesty and some yeah. people don't enjoy it being presented to Absolutely. them in that way. So it yeah. is a transaction-by-transaction yeah, sort of experience. Kinda, yeah, yeah you gotta you got to get a gauge of who you're talking to and – what the whole vibe is but um there's that but people generally i've found like if if you're honest immediately you'll immediately find out whether or not they're into that and if they are into that you'll probably have a really great conversation forge a really great relationship and if they're not then just turn it down and just treat them yeah i feel that this has come up a couple of times i feel like you're a get to the chase yeah, uh, yeah, I totally if you're, am. if you're worth me putting my time into, I want to know that immediately so I can concentrate that <laughs> time on you. Otherwise, you know what? Fuck off. Fuck no, off. No, it's it's fine this, if that's what it is. It's it's not like that, but I hate ambiguity <laughs> right. and uncertainty. Like I like it in a conceptual creative sense. Sure. I really enjoy that, but I don't like it between people. I, if if you have a problem with me, like once one of my good mates um 
instead of hashing out something she was upset at about at with me. Oh god, mincing my words. She was upset at me about something. Instead of telling me about it, she ignored me for three months yep. and let it fester. And then I got angry at her for not talking, like for not messaging me and just telling me what it was, even though I made attempts to be like, "Hey, what's up?" And she was like, oh, "I'm too busy." I'm like, right. "Oh my god, really?" Um, Busy being angry at you yeah, about something you don't know about. Exactly, that we could resolve <laughs> yeah. now and either, you know, so it's not festering, but like I, I can't deal with that. I can't do that. I need to talk about things immediately. Uh-huh. Um, I don't like that. So I find, yeah, that's just sort of where I'm coming from with that. But, but openness as well. So honestly, open in terms of receiving things. So be open to hearing what other people have to say, know when to talk and when to listen, know when you're wrong, when perhaps an idea that is contesting yours might actually be the right one. It's, I think, uh, I think understanding is much more important than being right about things. And I think it's much more satisfying and fulfilling to understand things than to just constantly, you know, having arguments with people because you're obstinate and intransigent about what you think. So I really like the idea of it's also that thing about learning, like be open to learning new things and to, you know, the world is changing at a very, very rapid rate and we are learning that things we once thought as like abnormal or bizarre or inhuman are now very much those things and we learn this day by day, and I think it's very important to be open to all these things, especially if it comes to do with humans, because you live in a world of humans, and you can't just be like, if a if a person isn't harming you or others, in terms of, I mean, it's it's hard, it's subjective. No, it? well, but, I mean, but the truth of it, I mean, this is a subject that comes up a lot in this show, so you've yeah. come to an area that I really like, but yeah. we're trying to make sense of something that essentially makes no sense. Exactly. Like by the nature of human existence, the way the Big Bang works, everything we do in the universe makes the universe more complicated. Yep. Literally, by just existing, mm. every single thing we do extrapolates in the world, and the universe becomes more complicated. Yet we seem to think there's some way, whether it's a set of rules from a book, or whether it's a yeah. set of guidelines, or whether it's philosophies or anything. None of them are right for everyone. And this idea of like, I mean, you you said something and you almost glossed over it, but I think it's like the gold. I think it's really the heart of it, which is the difference between wanting to be right and looking for understanding. I feel like we've just forgotten about looking for understanding. Like even if you disagree with somebody, you can go, well, what? let's at least try to understand why they feel the way they feel. I mean, just to talk about something in the news, if there are these people who think that, I don't know, refugees are going to come to Australia and take their jobs, Mm. for example, just to use a very blunt one that's top of mind here in Australia. Mm. Well, firstly, just before you just call them a racist and whatever else it is, maybe let's get to the heart of what it is that they fear or don't understand. And maybe it's actually that they're in in an economic position. And if we explain to them or if you understand, oh, actually, you know, it's not them that's your problem. It's actually, you know, this big business that isn't passing down the, you know, Mm. but if but if you just dismiss people immediately without understanding what is at the heart of their concern, like the understanding, but on all sides, the other way as well. Yeah. You know, this idea of like, you know, I would ask a conservative person just to understand that if like, you know, a, a gay person, LGBTIQA person wants to express their love in the same way publicly as they do, yeah. that that's something they don't need to accept. And it's not something that they need to do themselves, but it's something that they just need to understand that human thing of like you love someone and you like to be able to say it publicly, wouldn't you understand that somebody else would like to too? 
And I think there is a difference between we're so desperate to be right in mm. these debates that we forget the things that we all actually have in common. There might okay. be a small amount of it we disagree on, but at the essentials, at the heart of it, there is, anyway, I like it. I think yeah. what you're saying is very cool. That was Jessica Cerro, a.k.a. Montaigne, from 2016 with Will Anderson on Willosophy. I'm Podcast Mike. We're delving into the archives and looking back at some of the past guests we've had on the show. Tofop.com, if you want to hear the full chat in any of the archived episodes, including our next guest, Tim Minchin. He's a musician and a comedian and a performer, and he talks to Will here about his philosophy. Enjoy. Most of people my age were born like out of a generation where like the healthy option during pregnancies was to switch to menthols. You know? <laughs> Our generation's pretty damaged though. To be fair. <laughs> I mean, we hope the actually, next one's better. I think that's. I, I do sometimes think that's what it's the heart of a lot of our stuff, which is going. Yeah, we turned out pretty bad. Yeah, that's that we right. kind of know that cool. like there yeah. was some mistakes made, and we're the result of that yeah. mistakes, and we and that's why we're so resentful of the next generation because they're like, wow, like we're I mean, gonna it, have to fix your shit. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I think we're probably, I think we're probably in Western, in places like Hollywood. I, I am, pe- people are, um, the, the more knowledge you have and the more luxury you have in your life. When I say people in Hollywood, I'm obviously talking about the people that I have the pleasure slash uh, honor slash <laughs> horror of spending my life with at the moment, you know, affluent people. Um, the The more... The less problems you have to solve that are real and tangible, the more problems you, you... You will always find problems, things to stress about and things to try and control. It's human nature to try and control outcomes in a chaotic world, right? So we're like, okay, I want to control, you know, the safety of my children, obviously, you know, my, my job and my happiness. I'm going to get happiness. I'm going to do some happiness by doing these seven things that I've heard are good for the happiness in it. And then our bodies in, in, in L.A., in a sort of post-religious world, that's the religion is health and stuff. And so I, I don't know, we are, I feel like in an affluent, the more affluent society is, the more uh, microscopic the concerns get because there's nothing real to worry about. And so they start obsessing over the latest studies showing that, you know, GMOs is a perfect example or um, actually GMO is not a perfect example because that's another whole freaking topic, but... You know, they'll... Eating clean, you know. They just... They don't even know what the term means. Or detoxing, which is just an advertising phrase that means absolutely nothing in medical science. It's just... But they... Like, really smart, critical, otherwise critical people in LA are just dumb about diet. Like, dumb about obsessing about silly stuff, you know. But is that... Where do you think that comes from? Because... You know, if you think of the universe as ever expanding and you subscribe to that kind of vague notion that everything we do by the nature in the context of the universe makes things more difficult. Like things are never going to get more simple. They're constantly getting more difficult, everything that we do, right? Sure. Um, then what, where is that desire for order or for things that we all inherently have in it? Is it, is Why it, is just, it so inherent? Is it just a reaction to that? Because we know that we can't you know, control anything on a grander scale that we need to control something on a smaller scale? Like, I think that's a very good way of putting it. And, and, and we can't even control anything on a smaller scale, right. really. I mean, we're doing really, really well at looking after ourselves. I mean, humans are incredible 
at keeping themselves alive and creating technologies to keep themselves more comfortable and to control the world as much as they can. Um, and But we are driven as beings to to utterly control it, to make sure we can, we're not victims of the hand of fate, right? So in the old days, we'd create religions to make it feel like there was inevitability, right? It doesn't matter if my kid dies because he's with the Lord now and I'll see him soon, which is a very, very natural and perfectly understandable instinct. Right. And And by the way, like at the time, probably fucking nailed that. Yeah. Like, do you mean for the order of society yeah. at that point in your evolution, the person who came up with, hey, let's just tell everybody yeah, that when fantastic. your kid dies that everything's going to be cool. Yeah. That really would have solved a lot of and issues. That's a, that's a, that's, that evolved that set of ideas. The reason religion you know, evolved out of every society is that those instincts of fear, we're very, very bad at going, oh, well, it's fucking chaos. <laughs> yeah. And I might get struck down or I won't. And if I get struck down, my life's over and that's it. And we'll yeah. never see each other again. Like, it's really, really hard to sit with. And that is, that is why it's very, very hard to sit with. And even if we don't believe in a religion and we don't believe that we're going to go to paradise and live forever god knows when that became a desirable idea but you know what i mean oh yeah my idea of heaven is a good idea where <laughs> yeah, i never have to worry about anything yeah, where again. i have no thoughts oh, oh that's death yeah well, yeah you can have that i'm done now sometimes yeah. if there's turbulence on the plane you i think, unbuckle right. my belt yeah totally yeah <laughs> and totally. lean in that's is, my version of lean in a, i'm like turbulence <laughs> all right let me get ready in the most unconventional yeah. whatever the opposite of the brace position is yeah. that's where they'll find when my they body. search the wreckage how do i make this a fun a gag right how can i get a laugh out of my death? yeah i'm ready you're definitely ready. gonna be you're I'm definitely done. gonna get a laugh out of your death i don't know how you're gonna do it but i'm sure I you'll manage so. it um I so. but yeah and so in a in a secular in a post-religious world yeah. then of course the instinct's not gone and so we do useful things if you believe keeping humans alive is useful obviously in a macro level it's a bit of a pain but we do useful things like create medicines and um and uh you know look after uh, find ways to um, uh, not smoke and have a better diet and exercise and all those um, tangibly uh, empirical things that keep you alive and keep you from the the coming in of the of the darkness, the <laughs> encroaching darkness of impending death. We do everything we can to make make it feel like we're we're going to beat her. We're going to we're going to beat her. Or at least we're going to win for a bit longer. And we do all that because we're just pushing death back because that's the human condition is yeah. the, this horrible screaming sound in the back of your head going, you're going to die. And we do but what But there's got to be an, like an evolutionary like, you know, reason for that, right? That's the thing that keeps us kind of moving forward like in an evolutionary sense well, because the, otherwise if you genuinely – because I theoretically believe in what you said before, which is – that, you know, of course, like I'll, I could step out of here tomorrow and get hit by a car or like whatever. I could just drop dead. I'm at yeah. an age now where it's not even unreasonable that I could just drop dead. And they would go, oh, it's a bit young, but he's in now. He the did drop smoke dead. a lot. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. now he's in the drop dead zone. Drop dead like zone. I'm, I am now. Yeah. Like essentially once you're in your anything past your sort of early 40s, you are in a acceptable just drop dead. Yeah. They go, what did he die of? Oh, yeah, he dropped dead. Yeah, he died. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess he that, did one of those deaths yeah, just, that you get these days. Right. So yeah. I believe in that, but you yeah. can't actually live in that like every second no. of your day or like or live like there is no tomorrow. Like these things are set up, even if it is our work or our yeah. things that we decide are important yeah. so that we don't just live in that moment like that because that would... No, without a doubt, a- alongside evolving 
I mean, obviously, humans, your genes, perpetu- uh, most the, the two things we've evolved, the macro things we've evolved is we want to live and we want to fuck. So we right. want to keep ourselves alive long enough so that we can fuck. And this is what, this is selfish gene. This is about, about keeping your genes alive. We, our genes have evolved to teach us to stay alive and fuck. And... Uh, some of us don't do much of either, um, but you know we're happiest when we're doing mu- as much as possible <laughs> as possible of both. And and so the motive's clear. But the other thing we've evolved is, as you say, na- um, ha- happy naivety or uh, sort of blissful ignorance. Right. So although we know we're going to die, and that our genes are screaming, "Don't die! Don't die! That's going to be terrible!" And and we've evolved things like love and stuff to keep us connected. It'll be very sad when we die. And all these things are functions of evolved properties sometimes they're emergent properties they're not directly you know there's a whole conversation about how love or how religion are um have um evolutionary advantage uh um however you don't need everything humans are doesn't need to have had a statistical uh, um sort of survival advantage in the past some of them emerge um things like love and religion probably although you could trace an evolutionary seed for them they evolve without evolutionary pressure is not the only pressure that makes stuff right Right. in in human society and stuff but but we have definitely because it also like the idea of that that evolution like that i guess side by side evolution like one thing being you know fully functional it's like he brings his mate like it's like you know it's like okay look seth rogan's gonna be in this thing yeah (laughs) <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah. Jonah Hill's also here. Yeah. And yeah. then Jonah Hill just kind of goes off and has his own career, like yeah. independent of the Seth Rogen sort Yeah, of. that's exactly right. And it's no not... one ever says, hey, Jonah shouldn't be here. So no. Jonah never goes no, away. Jonah came with Seth. But Jonah yeah. wasn't actually essential to the, <laughs> the evolution. Jonah oh, was just always there. Seth. Humanity didn't need Jonah, but it didn't need yeah. Seth to survive. Yeah, but we didn't want Jonah wow. to go away. Poor Jonah. And now we think Jonah is essential. It's I mean, brilliant. this is this not. This is really, really good. I'm trying to work out. <laughs> Shit, this is perfect. Um, now we think we actually need Jonah more than we need Seth. Yeah, totally. We, we just and, haven't. And we're trying to work out why yeah. we evolved Jonah, but actually right. he was just a side effect of <laughs> yeah. Seth. Um, a lovable, adorable, award winning side effect. Oh, Jonah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's this. This um, fact, that, sorry, to back back to what you were saying, which is that mostly, on a day to day level, we don't think about it, and that's a very very good attribute of humans as well. Which is that we don't, we kind of suspend our disbelief. We sort of don't believe our deaths most of the time. We we're not present to the tininess of the time we're alive. We're not present to. The, the incredible risks we're at all the time of our... We're not present to the fact that the very thing that makes our skin replace itself is also the thing, the process that makes cancer grow. The, the fact that cell division can go bad at any moment in many, many different places in our bodies. If we were present to that, we'd live in constant anxiety and fear. And that's what anxiety and depression and stuff, that's what they are. They're the kind of lack of the drugs that make us ignorant, happily ignorant of how fucking scary it is. You know? uh, I mean, you know, I, I have had people close to me in my life whose stories I won't share because they're their stories, not my stories. But just having seen like, and talked to people you know, when they are going through those things yeah. about the things that they are worried about, 
they are all things that when you just list them, you go, oh, you know, no, you know fair. what? They that's are all totally typical. They are, if I thought about those things that much, I've got to be honest with you, yeah. that would really get me down too. Yeah, take this pill and yeah. like, think about it. It doesn't <laughs> right. solve the problem. What happened to your like level of just blurring out naivety that yeah, we all t- do day to day to yeah, get on right. with our lives? Like, yeah. And you're like, I mean, I get it. It's like, you well, know. Well, it's 3am when you wake up and you're jet lagged, you know, and, and when you've got kids. I mean, there's the fear that crashes in on you when your brain has kind of got its defenses down just you cannot believe you'll be able to wake up the next morning and not have that fear it feels absolutely accurate and true and real that I should be constantly petrified when my kids are not in my sight that they're going to get hurt and that's correct 3am me is right but daytime me is happily no, right. flooded with some other well, shit going you're, down. You're going to get like, nothing eh. done if I'm that guy's get there all day. Done. And of course, 3am me's not right because statistically they'll be fine. Right. And I do a bit in one of my very, very rare new bits of comedy I've got, which says exactly that. You can't live your life on the expectation that something statistically unlikely is going to happen. It's exactly this conversation. That I do this bit about live each day as if it's your last. That's it's a, stu- it's a stupid fucking thing to say, yeah. you know. <laughs> you should live each day as if it's the first of yeah. 10,000 or so that you're going to have yeah. to live where your actions have ramifications. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, have happen. a look at yeah, that's yeah. But that is the thing, right? You gotta, <laughs> if you're living in the moment, you've got to at least live in the repercussions of the moment, which is statistically likely to happen. Yeah, that, it's you're almost like, definitely you know going to have. You know what? Let's, yeah. let's just not go home yeah. tonight because I'll yeah. probably die on the way home. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. Probably You'll probably actually, wake up tomorrow morning full yeah. of the maggots of remorse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're going to be in trouble with your wife. You're going to be in trouble with your boss. <laughs> yeah, like, this is literally yeah. months and months of you having a... <laughs> yeah. Is it worth it, dude? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You yeah. know what? Maybe just go home now, yeah. wake up fresh, and enjoy <laughs> that moment much more than you'd enjoy exactly. any moment that's happening in the that's next two right. hours. Yeah, yeah. You might not live to see tomorrow, but you probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you like it or fucking not, you know, unless you're going to do something active about it. All right, uh, Tim mm-hmm. mentioned, do you have a philosophy? That's the question that I ask in the podcast, yeah. but really, it's just a conceit, you know? Well, this is it. We're sort of on it. Yeah, you know? okay, good. This right. is my philosophy. Well, that's what normally happens anyway. Yeah. You know, it's kind of how it works. Tim mentioned there with Will Anderson back in September 2016. Hey, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like it, Subscribe to the podcast, rate it, do all that stuff. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WhilosophyPod. That's P-O-D. These compilation episodes will be out Tuesdays and Thursdays for the coming weeks. So be sure to keep an eye out for them. Again, head to tofop.com, T-O-F-O-P.com. If you want to hear any of the chats you've heard today or any of the chats at all from the massive backlog of episodes of Willosophy, thank you so much for listening, guys. <laughs>